Hey, what's up, friendly folks? This is Mike, and welcome to the Mike Mantel Podcast. This podcast is ultimately an experimental space that I've created for me to open up my curiosity on people who I find to be impressive and people who are actively creating strides in the intimacy movement, in the consciousness movement, and in the personal growth movement. And so I'm getting to better understand the worldviews and opinions of impressive people in these areas. And I'm also just getting a general zeitgeist on these different sides of the human cultural coin. And thank you for joining me today on this journey. Today's guest is a lady named Lauren Searles. And her moniker on her website is The Love Angel. So Lauren is a coach and a healer, and she works in the realm of sexuality. She's trained in Tantra, both classical Tantra and Neo-Tantra, as well as different branches of modern psychology. I originally met Lauren, I'm actually, I'm not entirely sure how I met her. I met her through Facebook somehow. There's some, I don't know, we're connected to the same invisibly threaded Facebook world <laughs> that's uh, that's the best i can remember of how we met uh in this conversation we talk a lot about tantra because i'm curious about tantra it's been like on my peripheral radar for a while because i have a deep interest in sexuality and so it seems like a natural place for me to explore in this episode we talk about the difference between classical not tantra and neo tantra and the intersection of sex and spiritual and in like inducing spiritual states seems to be a big part of Neo-Tantra from what I understood of this conversation. We broke down a lot of that. We talked about how BDSM relates to Tantra and talked about self-pleasuring, talked about different practices that one can use in pleasuring themselves to both heal their psyche and cultivate transcendent states. So it was a cool conversation, it was a trippy conversation, definitely got me interested to explore Tantra more, and I hope you enjoy it and learn something from it. Want to just give you a shout out and appreciation for listening to this episode. It's been a long journey for me to get here, and this podcast is part of my creative input to the world and me doing my effort to do my best to do good for the world. Yes, I want to live a life that I enjoy, and I want to be happy and follow my passions, and I'm also very much motivated by doing my best to use the skills and the interests that I have to positively contribute to humanity. And so this podcast is an effort for me to have a positive impact. And so any support that you would be willing to give, I'd be super appreciative. Ratings on iTunes or wherever you listen would be very awesome, or flinging this to a friend or colleague you might know who could be interested. And the last thing that I want to say is the intro and extra song for this podcast, which I personally think is super dope. I'm really happy with it. I want to give a shout out to the artist who made it. His name is Will Lowry. Check him out, soundcloud.com backslash the lowrider. And writer is spelled with a Y, the lowrider. All right. That's all I got. And I also want to wish you a good day. I hope that today is a day where... At the end of it, you look back and you say, damn, I'm really grateful that that day happened like it did. Hopefully every day is like that, but 
<laughs> definitely there's some tough ones so i hope this is a good one all right folks i'll see you in there yeah i'm curious in your view how would you describe what tantra is well tantra is a loaded question and it's a loaded uh term right now because it's been so widely used and it's been used for so many different purposes so i would like to bring the terminology of its original intent which is a path towards awakening in the body towards your fullest highest potential and what that means is weaving together your soul with the body to live in your full god essence and it's a path towards awakening or enlightenment and it's not a path that says you need to wait to become awakened or that you even need to wait for an outside teacher or guru although those are health are those are very helpful um but essentially the entire universe is inside of you and you're connected with all that is and and all it takes is tapping into your true heart wisdom to be connected to that. When you call it a, a path, do, would you view it as a path in the same way that like maybe Buddhism is a path where there's like um, doctrines and like kind of a structure and framework to hang upon? Yes. What most people don't know is it's the root of all yoga is Tantra. And Buddhism came from Tantra. A lot of Buddhism came from tantric ideals got it also i know that there's like a um at least in some of the traveling i've done in circles i've been finding myself in there seems to be some like modern um re-emergence of tantra and mm -hmm. i'm wondering at least in your view is that um is there something new that's happening where tantra is is coming to life again or is it just uh, like old ancient ideology that, that's finding its way back into the modern zeitgeist yeah, that's a great follow-up question. So there is definitely something modern and new happening. And that's also very exciting. So basically, Tantra had some different sects and secret teachings that did include sexuality as a pathway towards awakening. And those were very deeply guarded. And not widely taught but they're they were taught it was like well the body is sacred so why can't sexuality be sacred and why not use the quickening of sexual energy towards the end goal of awakening so the western you know the westerners that studied this they took that very very small teaching in tantra and then they blew it up and they're like you know sacred sexual awakening like this is awesome like i can get my cock worshipped and it's spiritual and that's so awesome and so we took this very large you know encyclopedia and we liked one chapter of it and then we called it all tantra and so we i don't want to say we cheapened it but i just think we excluded a lot of its original intention and what's really interesting now though because my training is both in classical tantra and what's being called as neo tantra like the more sexualized sacred sexual awakening that's happening on the planet now is the more that you 
do both of these practices, let's say meditation and yoga and breath work and mantra, which is more traditional tantra. And then the more I do like, you know, breathing into my pussy (laughs) and sacred self-pleasure practices, the more that I awaken inside of my body. And so then the more that I do both of these, like, let's just say left hand and right hand tantric practices, the more they come together and infuse both of their consciousness um, towards my own inner awakening. So I would say both are really necessary to have the fully desired effect. Like I think just old ancient tantra of just sitting seated meditation and chanting is kind of dry. Like at some point you have to move the body. You have to inspire um, sacred sexuality to awaken inside of your body, or you're not living as a fully empowered individual. If you're not exploring your sexuality as a superpower. And then if you're just exploring sexuality as a superpower without any ethics or knowledge or wisdom of how to channel that, let's say into your upper chakra system, then you're probably just going down a pathway of just exploring your desires. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're just not necessarily going to become a more empathetic, compassionate being that's able to assist others in their own awakening necessarily. Got it. Okay, cool. Wow, this is really interesting. So Neo-Tantra has taken some piece of the whole like Tantra picture, which is around using sexuality towards awakening and has just kind of focused on that and like blown that up. But it sounds like in your view, there's a lot of value to that. But if you only focus on that route, you can get, um, I don't know, maybe lost or disconnected from the rest of the picture. Exactly. You're just not going to have the same results, like end result, but it will still feel good. Like you will still have amazing experiences. You'll probably have many aha moments. You'll probably feel more connected to yourself. You'll probably feel more connected to your partner. And so I look at all of those as positives. But then if you go to the root definition of Tantra, uh, it doesn't exclude anything. So if you're bringing conscious awareness to every moment, you're actually having a tantric experience. But it takes that framework of perspective of how present can I be in this moment with myself, with my experience. And then that's actually tantric because there's nothing that is not it, that is not God, or that is not consciousness, that is not awareness. But it's if you can't bring your awareness to that, then you're not necessarily living in that state of consciousness. Got it. Okay. So when you're speaking about classical Tantra, it sounds like it's a way of orienting towards life where every experience becomes fuel for one's awakening. Absolutely. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's... um. That's interesting. And here's kind of a, a, a big question that I don't know if, uh, I'm not sure if anyone has a good answer to, but I'm curious when you talk about awakening, what, what does that mean to you? So for me, it's kind of like brightening my lens. And so every day and 
every experience, everything you eat, everything you drink, everything you think, everything you say, everything that's said to you, every time you look at your computer screen or touch your phone, um, you're contributing to your inner perception or like your body has to digest that experience or assimilate that experience. So if you eat something, you have to digest it, right? And your body takes some amount of energy to break that down. So some of your mental focus or energy might be pulled away from other things. And this isn't, this is more metaphorical, right? It's like, um, just kind of using that as a metaphor. Um, so the process of awakening is like cleaning that lens and fully digesting your experience so that you can come to the next moment with a certain amount of purity. And so the tantric practice of this goes very, very far back. And it's, um, we call those experiences samskaras, which are like psychic knots or like undigested psychic knots in your being. And in trauma work, it's very well known that trauma is stored in the body until it's released, until it's felt, until it's you know, fully liberated. So then that being isn't really living up to their full potential until they've digested their experience or released their experience um, so that their consciousness is just theirs as opposed to my conditioning or my social upbringing or all of the judgments that I think about myself or all of, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the story is. So it's like your essential self is always there but there's all of this sort of like dust or gunk or debris covering your perception, your perception and your lens and your ability to embody your true essence. And that's essentially the work that I do is, all right, there's you, there's the essential mic. That's you. That's ever present, ever aware. And that part of you cannot actually be tarnished or harmed or tainted. But then we gather all this like life experience kind of over that, like a lantern that kind of covers the bulb. And through the coaching experience or through Tantra or through yoga, we're literally just like removing that, that shade and we're brightening the bulb. We're just brightening that, that light that is inherently inside of you. Yeah, cool. I like that metaphor. So then I'm curious, either through, whether it's through Tantra or other practices, what do you do either with yourself or with clients that um, helps to to uh, lighten up the shade or digest in order to, for the, the true mic essence or whomever essence to, to shine through? Yeah, so that's such a good question because uh, my personal path was mostly yoga and Tantra for like 10 or 15 years. And I would do deep meditation retreats and we would, you know, my teacher was like, chant this mantra and all of your samskaras will be digested, right? It's like, do this tantric practice and you will become liberated. And I can't say that that doesn't work, but what I can say from my personal experience, I just became really ultra sensitive and actually very reactive. I was like, and my, 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 um, my nerves were on top of my skin and I could feel everything. And like my psychic power was just way too intense. And I was not actually really happy 
if that makes sense. Like it didn't actually give me the ability to live as a whole and complete being in this world. Like it was just really confusing for a while. And I was also going through a really intense relationship. So that didn't change until I found what modern psychology can do to heal the psyche. And so now my work is just, it's much more interesting to heal, let's just say your inner child um, and meet your inner needs. And then my nervous system began to calm down and then I could like actually apply myself in the world and not just be so sensitive all the time. (laughs) Because I think coming to terms with your own your own mind and your own psychology. And until you really fully explore that, I just don't really, my personal belief is that your awakening, let's just say you become enlightened magically overnight, doesn't really actually make you a good person. You know, like we've heard of all these spiritual teachers with a bunch of power, but they're still abusers. They're they're sexual abusers, they're power abusers, they're money abusers, but they have this crazy strong power but they still have unresolved issues with their mother (laughs) you know like their inner child is still unloved and but yet their their spiritual power is so intense and so it's really important to weave these two worlds together inside of each person so what that looks like is um really exploring the body mind and what that means, and in Tantra, that is a term, body-mind, and your heart is included in that, and your heart in ancient Tantric philosophy is the same as your mind. Oh, that's interesting. The same level of consciousness, uh-huh. so they don't separate heart and mind or body. It's all the same um, level of frequency. So in my work, I talk to the body-mind, and I would just ask it a question. So I would just ask you you know, what are you feeling in your body right now? Like, what's your, what's your sensory awareness like? Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'll, I'll answer that. And, but I'm curious also, Mm -hmm. so like for me in this moment, uh, my, I feel like kind of buzzy, my hands feel buzzy, my feet and extremities feel buzzy and my throat feels, um, kind of clogged, which is a very common, uh, very common phenomena for me. But, but I'm also, I'm wondering though, when you, so if you, asked my body mind a question and I just reported like what was alive for me. I'm curious though, like, cause different parts of the body seem to, at least in my experience, um, have different information and have different desires and motivation. Like my throat might want something different than where my, where my heart is or where my cock is or whatever. Uh, but some, is it all, how, how does that relate to the idea of like a single connected body mind? Yeah. So the, key is to integrate all of those parts and those pieces but we can't really integrate those parts until we figure out each part's individual needs we can't just be like hey everybody like join together and hold hands and Mm. it's all good and everything feels feels good right it's like no what does you know we could go into the contraction or the stuckness in the throat and really find out with curiosity and compassion what's going on in there you know like why is there a blockage and we literally ask the consciousness of the throat to answer because all of the answers are actually within you, but we just don't usually ask the right question. So really just getting super duper curious, like, wow, how long has that been there? What, 
what is its purpose? Like it's obviously serving a purpose for you. Otherwise it wouldn't be there. You know, it's old consciousness. Usually it's a protector energy. It's like, well, I'm keeping Mike safe. <laughs> you know, there's all these, um, you know, unconscious parts of ourselves that are running our show. So it's like, oh, I learned that if I do this, then I'm actually safer because then no one can criticize me if I don't say the wrong or right thing, right? It's like our throats sometimes represent fear of expression. It doesn't have to, just a generalization. But we find out, like, what does it need? What does it really want? Oh, it wants support. Oh, okay, let's, like, let's give the throat support. And so by giving the throat support, um, and it really is an energetic process. It really is. You kind of have to extend your imagination of, like, how do I give my throat support? But you really just tap into your body and you go, hmm, hey, body, could you give my throat some support right now? And your body actually knows exactly what that means. And it starts <laughs> working on your throat yeah. and it starts healing right in the present moment, just because you're bringing your conscious awareness to that area. And it's like, Oh, okay. And then it starts to open and relax and change forms more often than not. You know, we don't force anything to happen. And then once the throat is feeling good. Yeah. Once the throat is feeling good, then, then we would address like the next part of the body mind, like what's going on in the belly, what's going on in the clock. And then you can actually have a full conversation, let's say between your belly and your throat. And then we can, you know, your belly might be like, no, I really want Mike to do this podcast. Like this is what he wants. Right. This is willpower. This is what he wants to do. And then your throat goes, but I don't feel safe. And I don't really want to do that. And that's not okay. And I actually need, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm putting the brakes on the situation. And so you let these two pieces like work it out and then eventually come to an agreement and go, oh, okay. If the belly supports the throat and gives it, you know, safety and a feeling like everything's going to be okay. And, you know, you're going to belong here, even if you mess up and I'm not going to excommunicate you from my life. Then the throat kind of relaxes and goes, okay, I'll allow his, you know, his voice to open up and express itself. You know, like you have the inner negotiations, like you fully have these two pieces yeah. work it out with each other until they both feel good. Wow, that's that's so interesting. So the idea being to like have all the different parts uh, or like body centers be, it sounds like just become friends with each other and kind to each other. Absolutely. And, God, all these uh, healing modalities are so fascinating. I've been studying, are you familiar with internal family systems at all? I'm not super familiar, but I have heard of at least the concept. Okay. Yeah, I won't get super into it, but it's just like another modality for healing memories of like the inner child. Uh, and there's this network of different mics that are all linked up with each other. And the idea is just like communicating with them and having them find harmony and stuff like that. But I, I just find it so um, amazing that these things like work <laughs> like that yeah. you know what I mean like they and they all do really work and it's like amazing that why can my heart talk to my throat like why is that a thing why is it so effective yeah it's quite magical yeah what is really being is. found <laughs> as healing modalities right now in modern psychology it's literally just completely mind-blowing yeah yeah for yeah. sure like my mind was blown just because of my personal journey of doing yoga, doing meditation, doing tantra for so long, and then still not being a whole healed, complete being. Like I was still running around with the same subconscious program, you know, 
of feeling unlovable or whatever it is. And then until you address the inner psyche, you're always going to have that fragment until you address like the part of you that feels that way. Well, you know, I'm curious um, about uh, when you're talking about Tantra and the Neo Tantra and the classical, why, um, at least for you, if the Neo Tantra is only taking a, a small piece of the picture with sex, given that it's, there's a lot more out there, why, why do you find it to be a, a compelling route to study? The first word that came to mind was liberation. And that really is the essence of traditional ancient Tantra is it's for the sake of liberation. But I think what us Western minds are just so starving for is giving like getting full permission to be in our bodies. And that includes our sexuality. Like we're just so ready to heal from sexual shame and repression and guilt or like whatever it is that we're carrying over our sexual essence. We're just so ready to break free from that. So this movement is just spearheading that forward. It's just like, all right, guys, we need to work on our sexuality. Humanity needs to work on their sexual center. And you might study traditional Tantra for 10 years before you even address your sexuality. So this is sort of a direct lens to address our full sexual expression, you know, as a community. And so that's really exciting for me because I just don't feel like we're going to be a fully integrated human race until we liberate our sexuality. Yeah, dude, that's cool. I I really feel that. I think being in like at least me having grown up in the US, it's it's such a mind-heavy way of growing up. I grew up so disembodied. The only things that mattered were my math skills and like building IQ and stuff like that. And just had no sense of what embodiment even meant until a couple of years ago. And I mean, sex is so ultimately embodied and there's just so much shame wrapped up in, in sex in our culture too. It's, uh, but yeah, I guess I, I'm just hearing you talk about that. I, I get revved up on why I find, why I find it at least so important for myself to explore sex as a central part of my own path of embodiment and self-understanding. Yes, yes, totally. And I feel like I was really becoming present to my orgasmic state over the last couple of weeks. And I was like, what's so great about sex? And I was like, well, everything. But I mean, the moment of orgasm really is when I feel the most connected to my inner divinity. It really is the moment that I feel, I feel the most, right? There's just so much going on in the body and like the fireworks and the pleasure and the whatever is going on you know it's so intense it's such an intense experience but it really is when i feel the most godly and the most divine and the most light and the most love so it really is a pathway it really is a pathway towards awakening <laughs> when you talk about <laughs> orgasm I, I know i've heard of it uh, a distinction between orgasm and ejaculating but i'm wondering when you say orgasm do you mean it in a sense that what most people would assume orgasm to mean Right now, yes, because I'm actually talking about my own orgasm. So um, the female non-ejaculatory orgasm, yes. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what practices either do you do with yourself around your sex that you've gotten from Neo-Tantra or just other things that have been compelling for you, your orgasm, your sexuality? Um, are, are, there, are there practices that come to mind that have 
been compelling for you? Yeah. Well, all yoga is just amazing. So I always, if somebody wants a better sex life, I'm like, well, go do some yoga. What, um, why do you, why does, why do you say that? That's very, it just works on all levels of the being. And I think because of its work, I mean, it's such a multidimensional practice. Like there's, it's working on all levels of your being that we can't even fathom. You know, like if you practice yoga while you're high, like let's say on mushrooms or acid or something, you're like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> like, I've had that experience. You're really doing something. Like, you really <laughs> get the feeling of all the levels that it's working on and how it's infusing consciousness into every cell and membrane in the body you're just you're you really are waking up to god consciousness as you do yoga yeah. so there really is this <laughs> higher divine alignment energy that's running through your body as you go through these sacred mudras like you're you're putting your body into a into a temple state you're moving your body as a temple to prepare it for more divine energy to run through it i mean yoga for me is such a foundation but more specifically uh, my teacher, Layla Martin, who I studied all my coaching work with, we do connected breathing and it's completely different than Ujjayi. It's a little different than Ujjayi breath. So Ujjayi breath, you would be breathing in the back of the throat in a really slow, methodical manner. We do you know, are you familiar with Ujjayi no, breath? No, not. Okay. So in every single yoga class, you're supposed to be breathing Ujjayi the whole time. And it moderates the nervous system. It's, it puts you into a parasympathetic state. Um, so it just kind of relaxes everything. And then it moves the energy through your spinal column, which is sort of the basis of all tantric practices, getting energy to move through your shashumna, shashumna nadi, which is just your central channel. So you would be breathing in the back of the throat, like sexy Darth Vader, like you're fogging a mirror. So you can trick, you constrict the back of the throat the whole time, both on the inhale and the exhale. <clears throat> so I don't know if you can hear my inhale. And then my exhale. But you're breathing through the nose. You're breathing through the nose and you're constricting the back of the throat. So you're just really modulate um, how much air you can take in at any time. And so that calms and soothes the nervous system and kind of brings you into this meditative state. And then um, the breathing that I do for more of a sexually arousing state is connected breath through in and out through the mouth. So you, this is really easy and you can do it with me. So you'll just inhale through the mouth and exhale through the mouth. So you take in as much air with no pause between the inhale and the exhale. So as soon as you exhale, you inhale, and then exhaling. And so I can already reach a pretty euphoric state doing that because I've entrained my nervous system so long. And so basically what the connected breath does is it turns off your cortical control of your neocortex. So it turns off your thinking logical brain and it puts you into um, a relationship more with your limbic and your primal brain. And kind of like why that's important is then you can 
it also relaxes you, right? And, and puts you into a relaxed state, but it also puts you more in touch with your sensations and your emotions. Like, whereas the yogic state, you're not really trying to activate your emotions or even necessarily your feelings or, or your sensations. You're just like, all right, I'm just moving energy up and down my spine. You know, like you're, you're doing a specific energy practice. Whereas the open mouth breathing is inviting in. It's kind of like people use it for deep healing states and deep healing breathwork practices, kind of like holotropic breathwork or Wim Hof um, use a similar kind of breath so that you can really tap into what's going on in the subconscious. And when you're doing that uh, open mouth breathing, especially when you were kind of in training your body, where do you imagine or visualize anything or just presence on sensation? Um, not really any visualization that's needed. It just depends if you want to breathe into your belly and she, you can focus on your genitals. You could focus on as if your genitals had a mouth and lungs, but you're breathing in and out of the genitals with open mouth. So that um, brings more sensual awareness to that area. So you become more sensitized and you actually have more sensation. Got it. Oh, that's cool. Huh. That's neat. Also, um, just on an aside, uh, a couple moments ago, I loved when he said, if you've ever done yoga and psychedelics, like you'll see some stuff. <laughs> just because, <laughs> dude, I have totally found that with like every spiritual practice or even like being in the woods, if I'm on mm. mushrooms. I, I can see that like the trees all have energy and that the plants, they're all like feeding me and nourishing me. And that's always happening when I'm in the woods. It's just usually invisible, but it's, it's cool getting like a reinforcement on spiritual practices when you do them on psychedelics. Cause you can like see weird shit that's seemingly happening all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of sad that we ever have to come down from that state. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I wonder what life would be like to just be permanently in a psychedelic state. <laughs> I don't know that I would want that, but maybe. You know, I think that's, I mean, I think that's what the tantrics were trying to hack. I mean, they really were the first biohackers. They were like, huh, if I do this practice, I get this result. If I do breath of fire, you know, I feel this way. And so in some regards, that's actually what they were doing is biohacking the brain to release DMT from the pineal gland so that you live in an awakened state. And I've actually gotten to those states with breath work before where I was doing, I just did a shit ton of breath work in a month <laughs> with my tantra teacher. We were just really going yeah, for it. Nice. And I had that awakened DMT experience. So I was like, wow, okay. You know, the world sort of imploded on itself. And I was like, this is cool. But you know, it takes, it takes a quite concerted effort to get to that state. And like you said, I don't even know if I want to live in that state all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's cool <laughs> to be able to access it though, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. And I'm I'm curious, do you um do you have any other self-pleasure practices that you do in addition to uh uh breathing? And I just asked because this I started uh getting into self-pleasure as a practice a couple months ago and it, I, I'd like tried a bunch in the past and it just never really caught like I would try edging and I was like, yeah, this is fine. And it actually I took a course with uh, a guy named Tyron Mowbray uh, and it, it it was like what awakened me to self-pleasure being I was like, whoa, like this is a thing like this is a place for me to explore my inner energies and this is a place for me to explore holding pleasure. And I the more I practice, I just keep discovering new things and new ways to 
relate with my pleasure and my sex and i'm I'm just so psyched on it right now uh but so i'm i'm just curious if yeah. um what where i guess what's your relationship with your self-pleasure practice if that's a question that resonates with you yeah i love that question and because self-pleasure practices were the basis of my entire training so we did we had a different self-pleasure practice pretty much every week for six months oh cool so i don't know how many weeks that is and then it kind of transformed in the third and fourth quarter but we were really we were really going into it five days a week for six months for like a 30 minute self-pleasure practice so pretty i got pretty um exploratory and they were and layla martin also blends modern psychology and um basically infusing the conscious awareness that you could rewire your brain through self-pleasure practice. So if we need to heal our inner child, self-pleasure. We need to rewire love, safety, and belonging, self-pleasure. If you just want to anchor in safety, self-pleasure. Because self-pleasure opens up your entire brain to suggestivity. So it's almost like you can rewire your brain in like in an instant through, through, because you're using the breath, you're using sensation, you're using sexual energy. And so it's this like your whole perception at that point is completely permeable. So if um, I make, I make self-healing audios for my clients. So it's, I think it's a little harder to do on your own. And if you're just playing around and then you're kind of only stuck in your, with your neural pathways. And so if you work with a teacher like you have, you're like, whoa, there's this whole new world because you're opening up to his neural network that he built. Like when you work with a teacher, you're opening up to their neurology. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense that you're just in in that state of like receiving pleasure and just being more. It's just such a deeply receptive state. It's really it's really wild. And but and I'm, I'm wondering, too, of the 24 weeks or however many, are there any of the activities that you recall like stood out to you or really resonated with you? Yeah, it was always breathing really slowly so like building up some pleasure and breathing through the chakras so we would circulate earth you know more dense energy through the root chakra and you would do that for a while you visualize red circular orb energy in the root and you would keep it at the root and then you go okay now i'm going to bring that energy up to the second chakra and you visualize a more orange energy more watery emotional you know, obviously sensual sexual energy in the second. And so you'd, you would meditate there for a while and you'd hold your pleasure and conscious awareness there. And then you do it all the way up. So your third chakra, your heart, your throat, your third eye, and then you eventually you would move it all the way up and out through your crown. And then you could choose um, to do basically, you could turn that whole practice into a sacred sex magic ritual where um, so at the beginning, you would have a really clear vision for what you want in your life in five senses reality. So you would like walk into the vision, right? Like, you know, I'm a king standing in my castle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever that represents for you. And it can totally be symbolic because um, the subconscious mind works in symbols. So you can even just create a sigil or a symbol. And then um, once you get really, really clear on what that means for you 
at the moment that you bring all the energy out through your crown, you actually have an orgasm and you fully radiate that vision or that symbol. And so like your orgasm becomes a very big power for manifestation. Got it. Okay. So you like actually time to create the orgasm as your energy is reaching that point? Exactly. Wow. Cool. Yes. Oh, that's neat. Is there a place for fantasy or because at least in my exploration of sex, like there's this whole world of embodiment and energetics and stuff like that. And then there's this other world of fantasy, role play, archetypes, BDSM, etc. And I'm wondering if you've found space for the latter world, the world of fantasy to blend within tantric stuff or or not so much. Yes and no. So it's like it's like with any medicine can be used as a poison at the wrong time for the wrong reason. And then even the most poisonous thing can be the best medicine when applied at the oh, right that's time. That's a nice metaphor. Yeah, I the, like that. In the right yeah. amount. So I feel like fantasy goes the same way because um, when someone has a kink, uh, that neural pathway in their brain just keeps getting encouraged and keeps getting encouraged. And if they're just like, I love feet, look at feet. They're like, oh my God, feet. Feet, feet, feet. And then, you know, they get off on feet, which is great because it feels good. But then they're just always strengthening that neural pathway. And so almost to the point where they can't really get off or they don't really have a whole sexual experience without the feet, you know, like without this, like, oh my God, I got to have the feet. So just like having awareness that when you play with fetish and you play with role play and you play with some kinks that are really thrilling to you, um, they can, they can almost become addictive. And from my personal perspective, I like to be free of any and all addictive tendencies just to know that I'm actually in control and power of my experience. <laughs> but they certainly like, I explored BDSM since I was 27, I'm 35 now. And it definitely empowered my inner goddess like to be in the dominant role and to explore my sexuality and to command my submissive or my servant to do exactly as they please and to order him around in like the most loving way. Cause I'm a loving, I'm a loving Dom. Um, so to play the role exactly as I want him to play that role, which in turn pleases me. And then it's like this pleasure feedback loop. And then, there is this realm of sacred kink where people are blending sex magic and intention setting and even the intention for awakening through domination. Because I think it's when someone submits to you and you're playing the dominant role, you are magnifying the magnetic polarity so one person's like agreeing to be the negative polarity and one person's agreeing to be the positive polarity. And then you get to just like supercharge this like crazy magnet, you know, polar opposites. And when you just, say polarity, you know, do you mean like a, a yin lot. and yang energy kind of thing or not necessarily? Like literally a magnetic field. You're creating a magnetic field between the two. You, you have a more palpable amount of energy to work with. Okay. So when people are doing... And then again... But when people are doing that type of sex magic bdsm stuff, is it only of service for the dominant to manifest or create? 
No, no, it could be mutual. <laughs> it could definitely be mutual. Uh, how would that look? I'm just trying to imagine. So can you clarify the question? Yeah. So I fully understand what you're asking. Yeah, yeah. So or, I was trying to understand um, when you were talking about uh, a scene where there's uh, a submissive serving a dominant and there's this like strong polarity of magnetic attraction. I, at least I thought what you were getting at is that energy can be used for the person in the dominant role to uh, use it for manifesting or to envision so, or something to that effect? Yeah. Well, I think if you're in a scene with someone and one person is doing sex magic, I think it would be conducive to communicate that and or be manifesting the same thing. Like, let's say it's a part, if you're with a partner, I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't both be aware and concentrating on dedicating that energy towards that manifestation. But if Instead of just like secretly sex magicking on <laughs> yeah. all your partners. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know if that's completely consensual. Right. Like, I think BDSM is all about it being safe, sane, and consensual. For sure. Um, including hidden intentions yeah. and magic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I just think that's fair, Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in, ta- in Tantra, you do set an intention before a spiritual practice. And you you can worship with your sexual energy and so when i studied with my teacher Sal Isadora, when we would finally have an orgasm within the context of spiritual practice we'd always dedicate it to the goddess we'd always give it up to the goddess and we'd feed the goddess and we'd feed the devi um you know whether it was kali or lakshmi or saraswati so we were always just offering up our sexual energy to the divine mm. Got it. Okay, that so that's interesting. In in tantric lovemaking, is it there's always some sense of um, like intention, like it's for. I, I know at the beginning you're saying it's for awakening, but I, I guess I'm curious for what would be like a distinct difference between tantric lovemaking and just like very embodied sex between two people. Uh, I mean that's a really fine line and I can't say with my own perception that I would exactly know all the levels to answer that question but I'd say on the most just gross level is really just what is that person's intention and that really is the the only minute difference is is there intention to channel this towards awakening or is this is their intention to connect with their partner more I, I was looking at your site, and one thing that you had talked about was um, heartbreak. And I know that's that was under the section that you do with women. And I was wondering if you could talk about heartbreak a little bit. Uh, it just feels that's just something that I've been resonating with recently, and it feels like such a raw human experience. Yeah, heartbreak is one of the biggest initiations that someone can go through. And having just come out of I guess it's been a year and a half of processing this this heartbreak and then kind of being on the other side of it where I'm like so I just you just asked me how I was today and I was like I'm amazing and you're like why is that and I was like I don't know I just feel amazing <laughs> yeah because <laughs> I think when you finally process through um everything that you need to from letting someone go you come back into your full power and your full sovereignty 
and your full divinity as a being because you actually, in order to heal from human love, you have to tap into divine love and you have to, you know, maybe not have to because I, I come from this perspective that divinity exists, but, uh, you know, a higher power or just deepen into your own sense of self-love because there's this perception and romantic love that you're, you're getting your needs met by someone outside of you. And in order to heal from that experience, it's like you have to meet your every need in order to heal. So you have to learn how to be your own best friend, your own best lover, your own best confidant, um, your own cheerleader. And so it really strengthens and fortifies your character if you come out on top, right? It's like you could barrel down the victim, like he did this and I'm still mad at him and it's his fault and blah, 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 blah. And so it's like, once you're done with that story, which hope not everyone gets out of that story, right? They just like, I want to go back into victim consciousness and then I'm going to go create the next relationship so I can become another victim and live out the same scenario more or less right but if we're on this path towards growth which i think probably your listeners are um heartbreak is this opportunity to heal all part, parts of yourself and to come into inner wholeness yeah yeah I, one of the things that you said that stuck out was like one is letting go i find that in my experience with heartbreak to be um so hard and scary and i think for me it's because when i imagine heartbreak or relationships that have taken a, an unexpected turn we're no longer going to be life partners or whatever i i get this sense that like there was this reality that we were like on a path towards and now we've taken a turn and that reality is not going to exist anymore the reality where me and you are living together, you know, making pancakes on a Sunday morning when we're 50, that reality is dead. <laughs> and I, I find it, uh, yeah. I feel so much grief over losing potential realities with people. And it, for me, it can be so challenging to, to let go, um, to let go of those. And I don't know if you have thoughts on how to help let go, maybe just time and grief and expressing and uh, are, are the, the remedy for that. But have you have you found what works or helps to to let go? Hmm. So is that something you're experiencing presently, or um, that no? I'd say I'm. Rel I've experienced it in the past. I'd say I'm relatively out of it at this point. Um, for for the most part, and for me, it just took like a ton of tears and a lot of grief and a fair amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as much as you know, all of my self pleasure practices really helped and as long you know as much as i got help and coaching and healing from other people to sort of expedite the process like you said it still took a lot of tears and a lot of time and a lot of grief and i think i think as long as you come to terms with that and you don't push yourself to be having a different experience that you are and you hold self-compassion for the healing process and also not trying to like wallow in it and, you know, stay in it forever, but just being like, okay, you know, today I'm sad and that's okay. And I'm going to feel and process this emotion to completeness and hold self-compassion for myself and grieving a lost reality is 
probably one of the hardest dynamics of losing something is losing that identity, Mm. losing that future, losing this future projection, which is so weird because it doesn't even exist. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. We just (laughs) lost this like future projected reality. And then I think the older that we get, the more we realize that whole, the whole process of life is just letting go because everything is impermanent and it's just one of the most foundational spiritual teachings is everything in waking reality is impermanent. And, you know, we're, we're going to lose everything that's essential in our lives, except for the things that are, that cannot be lost, like our essence, like our divinity, you know, our, our true heart radiance. We can't lose those things. We can lose our eyesight and our hearing and our vision and our ability to walk, even our ability to eat. You know, we can lose all of these things, but we never lose our true selves. Yeah, that's beautiful. And this is a good point because we're at about time. So I just wanted to give you space and ask you, Lauren, where people can find you and who sla- who might want to look you up and for what reasons. Ah, thank you. So my website is loveangelcoaching.com and you can send me a little email on there. Uh, I chat with everyone on Facebook. So if someone loves um, sending messages on Facebook, I'm available. Um, my name on there is Lauren Searles and that's S-E-A-R-L-E-S. And, you know, I just love working with men and women who you know are healing from past relationships and going through heartbreak and who are also wanting to discover their sexuality and really wanting to thrive in love like who are really ready to have an amazing relationship with their next partner and really heal those subconscious wounds and patterns and belief systems so that they're not repeating them over and over again into their next relationship Awesome. And I'll put all of those links right below. Amazing. It was so great chatting with yeah. you. I feel like we could chat for like four more hours. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> There's a lot in there to explore for sure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, thanks, Lauren. I really appreciate the time. It was uh, so cool for me to get to pick your brain and experience and wisdom. Aw, thank you so much. So good to connect with you. Hey, friends. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you got something out of this episode. I know that I sure had a blast with it. If you enjoy this podcast, please head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. I'm offering an exchange right now where, if it feels in alignment for you to give this podcast five stars, then send me a message on Facebook, let me know you did it, and then I'll sit down, take some time to grok your profile, and I will write you a thoughtful and sincere compliment. Truly, please take me up on it. And if this episode touched on something you think a friend might find titillating, pass it on to them too. And I just want to say, I bring my utmost sincerity to each of these conversations, and I really do want to spread vibes and information that cause people to reflect and deepen and just live a more honest, kind, and vivacious life. Because I really believe that the state of the world needs everything that we can give it it needs people to be at full capacity it needs people to be living their life fully and giving their greatest positive impact to humanity and so if i can just flick over one domino with this podcast that flicks over a couple more 
that lead people into living their life fully and giving back to the earth, then by Jove, man, I will be a happy dude. So trying to do my part here and any help, love, and support, I would just so greatly appreciate. And at the very least, I am super appreciated that you listened to this episode and much love, folks. I'll see you next time.